let's jump into Acts 2 and uh, on this Mother's Day. And Acts 2 verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost came, making sure I was lined up with a camera, I had specific instructions to choose a camera and stick with it. All right. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. That's awesome verse. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. They were amazed and they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then they went on. They listed all the different nationalities that were there. And then visitors from Rome in verse 11, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And so I want us to stay in Acts 2 right now, and I want to talk about a few things that this brings up. What does this mean? What had just taken place that was so profound and powerful? And I want us to understand that Acts chapter 2 to me is the crux of the entire story of Scripture, the entire story of God. And that this crux of the Bible, this moment when everything comes together, it's like there's this beautiful puzzle that has been being built in Acts chapter 2, this moment of Pentecost, the Spirit of God falling on his people is this finishing work that brings everything into perspective, that we are with our, with our finite minds, that we are able to comprehend the mystery of what God had been accomplishing throughout human history, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his power, it all comes together in this moment in Acts chapter 2 as he shows off his redemptive grace and the purposes for which he had been working. So, so hold on to that thought as that linchpin Acts chapter 2, and I want to give you a little bit of background and context and history of why I believe that to be the case. So the backdrop of Acts is covenants, okay? So we know that Jesus has come and he has inaugurated a new covenant. And that's what he talked about at the Last Supper when he was, when he was hanging out with the disciples before he went to the cross. And, and what we have to understand about God is that throughout history, he has used the, the, the cultures and the systems around his people to make himself known. So he is often taking what is familiar, infusing it with God, with his kingdom purposes, with his wisdom, with his heart, and then showing people who he is by using things that they are familiar with, things that they would understand. And so in that way, He's able to come into places and introduce himself to people so that they're able to have those aha moments because it's something familiar, but it's not quite familiar. It's different because he's put himself into it. And so if we understand that, then we will under, we'll look at the scriptures as a story of covenant. So the Bible is 
the written history of God's covenant journey with mankind. And if we, if we can get that into our heads, we're going to avoid a lot of confusion because here's the thing. If covenants were familiar to people within the culture around them and God chose to interact with people through something they were familiar with, covenants, then we would understand that while God doesn't change, the way that he interacts with people does change based upon the covenant that they are in with God. And so if we don't understand that, we begin to look at the God of the Old Covenant or the Old Testament and God of the New Testament as if they're different instead of the same one true God. But why are the behaviors different? Why are the responses different? Why are the things that we're reading about so different than who we see Jesus or God to be in Christ in that New Covenant? It's because God is interacting with humanity based on the covenant that they are in with God. And that would take us into a place where we're able to see Scripture in a, in a completely different way. Um, and understanding that allows us to say this, God doesn't change, but covenants do change. And when we understand that, we can see the heart of God, even in some of the weird stuff, in the most difficult things in the Old Testament that we look at and go, oh man, so if someone's picking up sticks on the side of the road on Sabbath, we're supposed to stone them to death? That doesn't seem like God in Christ who says, I will pursue the lost one all the way to the edges, even through death, through the grave, and to the throne. Like what? That doesn't reconcile. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that God is different. It means that the covenant and the interactions that are taking place are based on that relationship and the context of that relationship. And when we understand covenants, we begin to understand those interactions entirely differently than maybe we would if we're simply trying to just stretch God over every single story, circumstance, interaction throughout both Testaments and go, yep, it's just God. He does what he wants. Well, you can say that, but if the inside of you is, is not reconciled for that truth and there is that disconnect of what I am saying I'm believing and what I'm experiencing and believing, when that disconnect takes place, faith is eroded and it deteriorates. We can't just uh, go, God's the same, he's the same, he's the same, it's all the same thing, and not ask these hard questions. Why is God interacting with his people in a different way at a different time. It's because of the covenants that they find themselves in. So scripture is basically the record. It's, as I said, it's the story of God's mankind or journey with mankind through covenant. And, and in, the, in the scriptures, you have these five covenant covenants. There's, there's a whole bunch of them, these five main ones, a covenant with Noah. God makes a covenant with Abraham. He makes a covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant, which is the old covenant. He makes a covenant with David, King David, and then, and then the new covenant that we find in Jesus. So these five major covenants are, uh, are what scripture tells us the story of. The canon of scripture is around these five covenants. And so not all covenants are created equal. They're different. Uh, in that time and in that culture, we're gonna, we're gonna dive in here in the 60-second teaching on covenants because I believe it's important for us to understand Acts. The grant covenant is when a greater king comes to a lesser king and, and makes a covenant with them and says, out of the kindness of my heart, I'm going to do these things for you. You don't have to do anything in return. I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. And it's on me, my responsibility to fulfill this. And that's a grant covenant. Uh, kinship covenant is more like a marriage where two people would come together. They would make vows and agreements and say, you'll do this, I'll do this. You'll do this, I'll do that. You do this, I'll do that. And it becomes this, uh, this, this place where both parties have obligations built into the covenant. And then a vassal covenant is when someone is defeated by an enemy, a conquering king, and that conquering king comes in and says, instead of wiping everyone out, I'm going to impose a ton of taxes on you. I'm gonna impose a ton of rules on you. And I'm gonna let you live. But 
but out of living, you're going to, you're going to have this meager existence that you're scratching out from the dust, and you're going to pay me everything that you get. Every, every time you have a crop, I want a huge percentage of it. Every time you make some money, I'm going to tax it. And so that defeat that happens allows the, the king that's the conqueror to come in and set up these rules that go, if you want to live, this is what you're going to do. If you don't want to live, don't do it. I'll come and we'll just wipe you out. Like there's no real bargaining chip when you've been defeated. You know, like, okay, okay, yeah, you can have 85% of my crop uh, if that's better than dying. So that's the covenants that we have in place. And so if we understand the differences of those covenants, the grant covenant is representative of God's heart. That's the one where God came to Noah and said, I'm never going to flood the earth again. Not because of anything that Noah did. He just said, I'm not going to do this again, and that's on me. He came to Abraham, and he said, I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you. I'm going to bless the nations through your seed. I'm going to do this because of my name, and it's for me and for my glory. Abraham didn't have to do anything. It wasn't on him to, to earn that covenant. The, um, and, and, and same thing with David. It, David said, I want to build a house for you. God said, I don't want you to build a house for, for me, and, but I am going to put you on the throne and your heir, your heir will be on the throne for all generations, for all time. And so he's, and he's not saying because you do this or if you build me a house. He just said, I'm going to do this. So that's God making a grant covenant with mankind and then he interacts with that. And so then you have the Mosaic covenant. This is where Israel comes out of Egypt. They travel, they come to Mount Sinai. They've been in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years of years. Uh, as slaves, their God has been Pharaoh and the, and the Egyptian gods, and God is introducing, reintroducing himself to his people. And as he reintroduces himself to his people, he, he tries to make a, a, a grant covenant with them, and he says to them, I want to be your God, I want you to be my people, you will be a nation of priests, and we will be face to face. And he met them on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he said, I want all of you to come up here and make a covenant with me, and it's on me, and I will do this, I will make you a nation of priests. And what he wanted was a nation of people that would represent him and his kingdom to all the nations. God has always been after the nations. And so he wanted a nation of priests. And they said, okay, we'll do it. And he said, okay, consecrate yourself three days. I'm up here on the mountain, fire, smoke, earthquakes, uh, you know, lightning. I'm just hanging out. And they said, you know what? What if, what if instead of being face to face with you, we send Moses up and we, we, modify this covenant that you're offering us from a grant covenant to a kinship covenant and you give us rules to follow. And then we'll follow those rules and if we're good at being covenant partners, you'll be our covenant defender. You'll be the one that watches over us. You'll be the one that goes with us based on us. And that's why the old covenant, when you read it, is so much of it is based on blessings and curses. If you do this, you will be blessed. If you do this, you will be cursed. Why? Because there's this, now they've positioned themselves in a place where their covenant partner is over them instead of one that would say, I wanna be face to face with you. And so they send Moses up. You guys, a lot of you probably know the story if you don't, the Israelites send Moses up the mountain. God meets with them and he gives them these 10 rules that are the parameters of the covenant, of this, of this kinship covenant that they are now agreeing to. And so they said, yes, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're in covenant now with you. And, and Moses says, great, we've got the rules that we have to follow, these 10 simple rules. Um, we can do that, right? We can follow 10 rules. And he, and he walks down the mountain with his new covenant a new covenant partner, and he's the, he's the mediator, the covenants between, with Moses and with people, and he walks down, and the people, while Moses was on the mountain getting the covenant with God ratified, they decide to make an idol and worship an idol 
And so before they, they said, yes, we agree to this covenant, before they could even get the rules back down to the people, they had already broken the covenant. And so Moses, as you know, he throws these, these, these stones down and shatters these rules, this covenant agreement. And he shatters it, and then he melts down this golden calf. The people drink it, and 3,000 people die that day for worshiping a false god in that moment. Because why? Because they had said yes to being covenant partners with God, and they had agreed that they would put no gods before him. And so when you're in a covenant with God like that, there is now a responsibility. And God began to lament that he had done such a thing because he realized that people were never going to be able to fulfill the covenant agreement and he was going to have to end up destroying them. And Moses said, God, please don't destroy them. Let's just try this together and we'll build a system of forgiveness and rams and lambs and sacrifices and grain offerings and all of these things so that there can be a mediator of priesthood that would help us continue to walk out this covenant agreement that we've made with you. But remember that 3,000 people who died that day. So God was offering them a direct relationship with them to be a nation of priests. They said no, and they downgraded that to a kinship. So note this for, for Acts. As I said, when Moses comes down, the two tablets, the 3,000 people died. Okay, so they, are, they go on and they labor under this new covenant, this old, what we now call the old covenant. They labor under this Mosaic covenant. And they're trying as hard as they can. They get to the promised land. We're gonna honor you. Oh, we don't actually trust you. We're sending spies into the land. You're supposed to be our God, who our covenant partner who goes before us and removes the enemies. And you're gonna take us into the promised land, but we, are, we don't trust you. So now we're gonna send spies and we're gonna, and then the spies come back. They sow all kinds of doubt. And so instead of trusting their covenant partner, they begin to doubt and doubt and grumble and complain. And so for 40 years, as you, as you probably are aware of the story, for 40 years, they wander around in the desert, in the, in the wilderness before they walk into that promised land because there was a nation, an entire generation of people who had such a slave mindset that they couldn't understand God other than what they had seen demonstrated to them by the gods in Egypt. And so God just walked with his people and got to know them again for 40 years until they came back to the promised land and were able to trust him and move forward into it. And so that's why the old covenant comes with so many blessings and, blessings and curses. And, but the new covenant that Jesus came to mediate is a covenant of forgiveness, as Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 tells us. Hear this. You cannot be more blessed than you already are in Christ. You, can't, you cannot be blessed more. And you can't be cursed because Jesus became a curse for you. And he broke all curses and you are forgiven. This is now a covenant that he is saying, on me, this is what our relationship looks like now. And we say, what do we have to do? And he said, I did it all. You are a nation of priests. You are a nation of ambassadors for me. We are face to face. The veil is torn so that we can be face to face. And we again, we go back to it. But God, what do I have to do to follow all the rules? Give me the rules that I must follow in order to get into this covenant. And he said, I made this covenant. And your choice remains. Do you want to remain in Adam or do you want to remain in Jesus? And when we step into Jesus, we step into this established covenant that has been made not earned. And we step into this covenant of forgiveness. When we accept Christ, we come into this already established covenant of forgiveness. 
And so that's the beauty of that, of that new covenant. So if you guys want, on all the stuff that I just unpacked really quickly, if you want further reading on that, I would recommend two books by Scott Hahn, um, A Father Who Keeps His Promises, and then Kinship by Covenant, two really good books. I know I blew right through that stuff, but I think you guys get it, and you know, um, you know this stuff, and it makes sense to you already. Um, but where does that lead us as we're looking again and continue to look at Acts chapter 2? So the Feast of Pentecost. So this, this is a Jewish feast. Shavuot is, this, is the Feast of Pentecost, and it occurs 50 days after the first Passover. So remember, Passover was in, when the people were in Egypt, and they took the blood of the lamb, and they put it on their doorposts, and, 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 and God protected them from death of their firstborn. And when this happened to the Egyptians who didn't put the blood over their doorposts, they decided we will let the Israelites go, okay? So that, that was Passover, so, and, and, and we remember that. And so then the people were, or the Israelites were released. And so the celebration is of Passover. But 50 days after the celebration of Passover is this feast of Pentecost. And so Pentecost was Acts chapter two that we're talking about there. So the reason, the first reason that God said to set aside this feast of Pentecost it was an agricultural one. It was the end of the barley harvest. It was the beginning of the wheat harvest. And the, and the Jewish nation was just being called to remember the provision of God. But the second reason is that it was that remembrance of during the Exodus and Mount, at Mount Sinai, God gave his people the Ten Commandments. It was 50 days after they left Egypt that they showed up on Mount Sinai and that Moses comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the mountain with flame and, and shaking and smoke and all of these things. And the, the old covenant was made. That was 50 days after Passover. So now you're starting to draw these parallels in your head of what Jesus was accomplishing and why he was accomplishing it when he was accomplishing it. Are you guys seeing, this, seeing what's happening? So the old covenant was ratified on Mount Sinai 50 days after the Passover lamb was sacrificed to release them from slavery and bondage. Right. 50 days before this Acts chapter 2 was what? Passover, who was sacrificed? The lamb was sacrificed at Passover. It was 50 days before. And now here we are 50 days later celebrating this Pentecost, the giving of the old covenant where they're remembering Moses. They're remembering this agreement they made with God. They're reading scriptures and stories and the people have gathered around from all nations to celebrate the beginning of the old covenant. And there's a group of disciples there waiting in an upper room for a promise from Jesus that said, don't leave the city until what I've promised you comes, the spirit. My spirit would rest on you and you'd be my witnesses. And so 50 days later, and so they, they celebrate Pentecost because it was a celebration of the, of the law, of God's covenant with his people. And so that's why there were people in Jerusalem celebrating this. Now listen, we got all that. Why is this significant? So this great event described in Acts 2 in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit appeared and rested as tongues of fire on individual believers occurred on the feast of Pentecost. So the same day that the Jews were celebrating God giving his law and tablets of stone, the Holy Spirit came and wrote his law on their hearts. 
And so that is what Jeremiah 31 is referencing. The days are coming. This is verse 34, or 31, 31 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when, it took them by the, when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Oh, though I was husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. This is a new covenant he's talking about. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is what he's talking about. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. The new covenant is a covenant of forgiveness that God promised to people. You broke my covenant, but there is a day coming when I will make a new covenant with my people and I will write my law. I will write my love. I will write myself upon their hearts and upon their minds. Why? Because what was Mount Sinai with flames and fire and fear and separation, he brought that flame and that presence, his presence, two people and he wrote on their minds and on their hearts and the new covenant being a covenant of forgiveness that was already in place because of Jesus and we were able to receive it. Now check this out. God had planned this Acts 2 event from the time of the Exodus and then he brought it to pass within the framework of the Jewish feast, this 50-day number 1,200 years later or whatever it was, he was planning ahead to redeem the old covenant and that place where he invited them to be face to face with him and they said no. He had a plan all along. We cannot look at this and go, oh, isn't, isn't that just sort of neat? We have to go, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, this is crazy town that what is happening. And look at these parallels. Both of these events involved a covenant. 50 days after sacrificing the Passover lamb, the Israelites received a covenant from God. 50 days after sacrificing Jesus, our Passover lamb, believers received a new covenant from God. Both events took place at the same time on the same month. The Israelites left Egypt on Passover, and 40 days later, they arrived at Mount Sinai. Then Moses ascended and went up onto the mountain, and 10 days later, he came down with the covenant, right? He came down with the Ten Commandments, with the law. He ascended, and 10 days later, he came down. Jesus, 10 days later, he ascended, and 10 days later, what? The Spirit fell. Like, come on, this is crazy. <laughs> Moses went up, Jesus went up, and what came down? was God face to face with us, indwelling spirit of God. So Jesus died, um, sorry, the Exodus marked the birth of the Israelite nation, while Pentecost in Acts 2, it marks the birth of Christianity, a new nation, that one new humanity, Jews and Gentiles separated, but are now one in Christ. So um, both events, as I alluded to earlier, they involve fire and wind and language. God spoke to man. Now God spoke from man. He speaks for, now we speak for God. So both events had the sounds and the symbols of the wind, the fire, the smoke, the language, the speaking, the voices. God spoke to man from Mount Sinai. Now man spoke for God because of the infilling of the Spirit. I got that line right. There it was. Okay. In both events, God gave his law 
to the people, and in both cases, he sealed the, that covenant that he had made with them. So in Sinai, he, on Sinai, he gave the law that was written by his fingers on tablets of stone, but at Pentecost, he gave that law, as I said, written on the tablets of our heart. The law attempted to change people from the outside, but the indwelling of the Spirit changes us into Christ, from, to be like Christ from the inside. So this was not an accident. I want you guys to see this. God did this intentionally to show us that the old covenant was recognized as failing and incomplete and it needed to be dealt with. And if we can't, if we don't miss, if we miss this, we're gonna miss applying the entire New Testament. We're gonna misunderstand everything that Jesus was doing. But if we see these parallels in the reality of why would God go out of his way to so clearly make it known in those parallels that he is redoing, that he is remaking, that he has, Jesus came and fulfilled the covenant and did away with the covenant and that now there is a new covenant in its place. Why? Because Acts goes on in its existence and the New Testament goes on as that old covenant is coming to an end and that religious system is still in place and the sacrificial system is still in place and the priesthood are all still in place even though Jesus has done away with them and has brought a new covenant. The tension of the reality of these two completely different religions are going to be seeing people coming out of them over the next 40 years up until 70 AD when the destruction of the temple and the priesthood and all the genealogy and all of that is destroyed signifying God was not angry at man. And when he poured out his judgment, when he poured out his righteousness, he poured it out upon the old religious system that separated men, women, nations from him. And he did away with it entirely. Why? Because that has always been his heart is that he would have a people that belonged to him and that they would be face to face and that they would be priests of his life and love and kingdom and truth and gospel and that we would have that reality that we are not separated from God because of Christ. That's the covenant that we stand in. And so this moment happens when the Jewish people have gathered around Jerusalem to celebrate the old covenant. And in the midst of that, his spirit falls on this group of people in the upper room. And they begin to profess God's truth and greatness in language that they can understand. And it draws people together and they begin to listen to the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel that Peter preached. You guys know where I'm going. How many people? How many people that day? 3,000. 3,000. That is the redemptive heart of God. That as they broke that covenant, that 3,000 people perished because of that. But he said, look, that's not the true story. This is the true story. I am a God of redemption, and I'm coming for my 3,000 people. I am coming to see redemption take place. And 3,000 people just that day came to know Jesus. How powerful is this? These parallels of what he's trying to communicate to us through scripture are incredible. And we can get sidetracked, but these are the things that I believe that we need to hold on to. So can you guys stand with me today? Acts chapter two. We saved some more for future weeks. I want you to see these things really quickly as we walk out of this place. Is the beauty of how God worked throughout history to reveal himself as he is 
who he truly is. Coming against confusion of people going, I think God's like this, I think God's like this. That through, he worked throughout the entirety of history for this moment to be able to reveal to you, to me, and to those who would follow him that day to see God, who he is, as he is, and he is working through your story as well to reveal to people around you the redemptive work that God has orchestrated, not just from the last week, but from the entirety of your life and your genealogy and your story, everything to show off the grace and the redemption that you have found in Jesus Christ, that he is a God of redemption and second chances. The old covenant was failed from the moment that it began. They couldn't even make it down the mountain before it fell apart but he didn't leave us trapped in it. And then in his plan and his sovereignty, he came and he released us from it. Not only he is more good than that though, not only did he release us from it, but he brought us into a new covenant that is based on Jesus alone and not on our human effort or our works or our ability to fulfill it. He's not gonna leave you trapped in the places where you feel caught today. He has a plan. He has sprung a trap for the enemy and he has released you from the lies of your past, from the lies of your future, from the lies of your family. He is at work and he is a God of redemption and second chances. He will not leave you stuck and caught in these things that are hindering you and entrapping you. And he makes all things new. The old covenant needed to be dealt with. As God said, I hate your sacrifices. Do away with them. I'm done with them. I'm tired of them. He wants to be with his people. And that is God's heart, is that he would make all things new. And so here's the two invitations I have for you. One, if you don't know Jesus, come and follow Jesus. He has made a covenant for you. And as you step into him in faith and in belief, turning from your old life and your old ways and just saying, Jesus, I turn to you. You're brought into this covenant of forgiveness and he makes all things new. But the other thing that I want you to hear as you walk out of this place is that you are a carrier of his kingdom that makes all things new. You are an ambassador of this redemption and this reconciliation. And so as you walk, you carry a mindset to say, God, what are you doing in this moment in history? What are you doing in this workplace? What are you doing in this school? What are you doing in this marriage? What are you doing in this family? The enemy wants to lie and say everything is set and you just have to sit back and watch it happen. But no, we have a God who makes all things new, and so you carry that into every circumstance, every place, every relationship that you go. You get to release that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right, we love you guys. Have a great morning. Go get them.